Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour with Amy Wheeler. And today I'm going to do a solo episode. And oftentimes I like to teach about whatever it is that I've been going through in life. And I like to share how it is that I use yoga off the mat to help me go through life transitions, to get more clarity, and to make difficult life decisions. So with that, yesterday was the one-year anniversary of my cancer diagnosis, which I am now 100% free and clear from. I happen to have a doctor's appointment on the anniversary, and the doctor said I'm doing great and that I still have to make sure to take good care of myself, but that usually if it were going to show up again, it would be within that first year. So... I was kind of waiting for that appointment before I made any big decisions. I had given myself this year to really just care for myself. The first four months after diagnosis, I laid in bed and was healing. And I had a lot of time to think and try to get clarity about my life and what areas of my life am I happy about? And do I feel I'm going well and on track? And what areas are not going as well as I would like? And why is that? So I had months and months of time. Plus, since then, obviously, we have daily practice and meditation to really examine what's going on in our lives, to slow down enough to feel and check in and make sure that what we're choosing to do in life is actually in alignment with our values, that we're not just being kind of thrown around like a ping pong ball and reacting and, and getting pushed over here and over there and getting ourselves into messes that we have to clean up how can we live a very conscious life? And I do believe that takes a daily practice that you really have to go in each and every day and check in with yourself and slow down enough to feel and breathe. You can do this lying in bed early in the morning or late at night. You can take a break after lunch every day for 20 minutes and do a meditation. You can do exercise. Some people like to do this when they're walking or whatever kind of swimming, whatever kind of exercise, there's many ways you can check in with yourself. And I don't know about you, but for many years, I felt too overwhelmed and too taxed to even take on these questions. So that might be the first step. If you're like, I can't even think about that. You might need to figure out how to pare down your life, let go of some things so that there's a little more space to have 20 minutes to meditate. I think all of us feel, well, I can't really let go of anything. Well, I think we can. I think we don't want to. I think we like a lot of things in our life. But the truth is, if we really got serious about having clarity and moving through life with more grace, there probably are things that we could let go of. It will just require that we disappoint people, that maybe we let go of some control that we like having, that maybe we have to weave our karma and our dharma in with someone else. And that may be uncomfortable for us. You know, there's a, an ancient Indian teaching that I've been really thinking about a lot lately. And the story goes something like this, that there was a woman who wanted to get pregnant and she tried and tried and tried and could not successfully get pregnant. And she was just about ready to give up and I believe she was talking to some of the gods and said, you know, this is kind of my last shot. I really want to raise a baby and I want to contribute to a future generation through offspring and so that my family lineage can go forward. And the god or goddess that she was talking to thought for a minute and said, you know what? 
I've got a solution. I've got a plan. There's this other family over here that has a need. And if you could fulfill that need, maybe we could somehow weave your karma and your dharma together. So this other family had, I guess it was like olive trees or fig trees or something, some kind of trees in an orchard type thing that needed to be cared for. And that family line was not able to care for them. And these trees had been around a really long time and they needed to be supported and loved and taken care of. So the deal was going to be, I'll give you children if you'll go over here and weave your karma and your dharma in with this other family that is needing help to carry on these really beautiful trees to feed people. And the woman took the deal. She was like, sounds good. I've got a place to live. I've got a job, the tree farm, and I'll have children and I'll live happily ever after. Now, that may be true. I think a lot of us take a deal that looks really good up front, but having your family line care for something like these trees, not just your generation, but that's what the children were for, that they were going to do it and the next ones were going to do it, that there was a promise there and there is a give and a take. And I think for a lot of us, we want all take, we want it all our way all the time, instead of thinking within my values, within my beliefs, within my life purpose, my energetic makeup, my constitution, what am I willing to give in order to get my needs met? And where are these places that we might call a win-win deal? And I think about that story a lot. It's not that I want to give up on my values and my needs in order to trade them in to get something. I don't want to do that. I want to find the places that are win-win where she gets the children, but the children are going to help to provide for the trees. Those are the kind of nexus areas that we're looking for in life and that it is in alignment with our dharma, our life purpose. So I'm going through a really interesting time now, now that it's been a year and I've decided to kind of open up again and look at what's missing in my life. What do I want more of? What do I want less of? I really want less of these California wildfires. They are every year terrifying to smell the air six months a year and and figure out if there's going to be a fire coming up the hill and burning down your house. That's not a fun thing. I had something called Snowmageddon where we got I don't know, somewhere around 12 feet of snow uh, last winter. And all of our electricity was off for many, many days. No gas, no heat, no lights, no internet. And we were basically stuck in our house because we live out in the woods and the roads weren't being plowed and there was no escaping. Then we had a gas leak two different times. It was really, really hard. And it, as much as I love living out there in nature, in this cabin in the woods, it comes with some pretty difficult things. It was very scary. So those are things I want less of. What do I want more of? I want more time with family, especially my parents as they're getting older. I want a local community that I can get nourishment from and participate in. I have a global community. I have a ton of yoga friends that I see on Zoom and personal friends but a place that I can go and kind of get my cup filled up live in person, that doesn't exist for me here. So I'm kind of weighing out what am I willing to give up in order to get what it is that I want to need to have a fulfilling life. And then with the idea in mind that it's not just all about me, right? I have a husband, 
we care for all these rescue animals, which isn't always easy to, you know, just up and move with a bunch of animals. <laughs> it's actually a pretty big deal for us to try to figure out how to move to the next step with all of these animals that we have agreed to be the guardians of. To us, that is part of our dharma. That is part of our life purpose. It's what we value that if an animal needs help and they come to our doorstep, we laugh, we call it the cat distribution system <laughs> that we are going to help. But we just got a new one. We got a new little stray and his name is Teddy Glenn after my dad. So these are the kinds of things that some of you might be thinking about and kind of weighing out what's best for my family, what's best for me. How can I make my life more joyful, more abundant? Are there ways I can shape my life or your life in this case with what we already have and just tweak it and refine it a little bit? Or do we need to make some big, bold, courageous moves and kind of realign? And so that's what I want to talk about today. Life transitions, evaluating through the lens of yoga therapy and the ancient texts of yoga, dharma, life purpose, and how do you have clarity? How do you have viveka? So those are kind of the topics that I want to talk about today. Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour. My name is Amy Wheeler, and I'm your host. The Yoga Therapy Hour is here to support you on your mental, emotional, and spiritual journey. We talk about things like nervous system regulation, spiritual connection, how to be more involved in your community, how to communicate well, how to manage your mental health, there are so many things that we are excited to share with you in season five of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast, and we hope that you will share it with your friends, family, colleagues. All right, let's get into today's episode. First of all, when we speak of transitions, I think for a lot of people, transitions are really hard, whether you get left by someone that no longer wants to be your friend or your partner, or whether there's a transition of retirement or losing a job for some reason. Maybe it's a transition of your kids going away from school. I talked to so many women that that is a really, really hard time that they've invested all of themselves for 25 years into their children. And then their children are off living and they're like, what now? Who am I? And who am I going to care for now? So these times of transition are times that I think it's important to slow down, to breathe, to feel, and to rejoice in this opportunity to look at what do I want in the next five or 10 or 15 years for my life? I don't think we can go too far out. So the first thing that I like to counsel people with, and I do this for myself all the time, is let's write down all the things that make you joyful, all the things you love. Now, some people can write a big, huge list, and then it becomes very easy because we can help them structure their day and their week and their month and their life in alignment with those things that create more joy and the things that create less joy, we can kind of shrink down and start to let go of. However, there are some people that cannot think of anything that brings them joy. So then the exercise might be about discovery about, well, why don't you try go looking at the wildflowers? Have you tried bowling? Have you tried painting? Have you tried walks with your neighbor, right? Just thinking of new things and ways to kind of 
get them alive again. So there may be something in that area. There are also people that just, even though they're doing activities and things that should be fun for them, they just don't feel any joy. Maybe they're feeling depressed. And then of course we might want to get a psychologist involved or they may even even need medication and that's okay too. So really trying to figure out step number one, that transitions are a time for kind of a realignment and actually rejoicing in that instead of feeling sad that you got broken up with, of course, you'll have your, your grieving, but then saying, wow, life is, it's right here in front of me and I can now shape it to my needs and my desires and my wishes. So I think a lot of people don't realize how precious transitions can actually be and that it is a time to realign. I I think we instead, we're either grieving about that thing that we lost or we're anxious about the future instead of being in the present moment and really saying, okay, I'm ready to create my new life and this is going to be exciting. And I know for me, as I, I do this, I just want to be in the new life. I want to be there. I want to have the move over with. I want to be doing the new thing. And I'm really trying to hold back from that futuristic thinking and say, no, the joy is in the journey. The joy is in figuring out how to find that new house that can take all the animals and the joy of discovery and really trying to feel like every single step is really fun because the truth is, We don't know how much longer we have. We might not have that long. I think if there's one thing having cancer taught me, it's that we just do not know when our time is up. And (laughs) I tell people this all the time. We're so busy thinking about what we want and what we don't have. But probably if you're over the age of 50, 10 years from now, you're going to look back at this version of yourself and say, wow, I wish I had that good of health. I wish I had that much opportunity, that much fun. Like looking back, we always think, oh gosh, when I was 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, I wish I could have that level of vitality back. And then obviously life has moved on and we can't go back to age 20, 30, 40 or 50. So why not say today, I'm really happy for this level of vitality that I have right here, right now, and I want to make the most of it. I do think there are some of us and many of us that are in what we call a life lock, meaning there's not a lot of room for changing the Rubik's cube around. Do you remember those Rubik's cubes with all the colorful squares and you had to like figure out the puzzle on how to turn it right three times and then left four times and then go up and down and get all the Rubik's cube colors on the right side of the Rubik's cube. I think for some people, it's impossible to solve the Rubik's cube because of the situation that we're in. But I would argue even in that scenario, we can change our perspective. We can find little ways to have more joy. We can really work with what is. I had a life lock probably 10 years ago when I really, really wanted to retire from teaching at the university. I was just burnt out and I just didn't think I could do it anymore. But 
we had to have the health insurance and it really was an option for me to quit. But there were many, many things I could do within that scenario to try to have less suffering. And I did. And, you know, they may sound like simple little things, but a lot of tiny, tiny trajectory changes actually can have a big impact on us. One of the things I did, believe it or not, even though I was so burnt out, I kind of talked myself into how lucky are you to only get to go into the university? I had to go in on Tuesdays and Thursdays and I worked from home the rest of the days, but I only had to be there two days a week. Number one, how lucky are you to have that opportunity to work from home so many days? And number two, how great is it that you're going to provide lifetime healthcare for your family if you can stay these next 10 years? That's a long time to talk yourself into things like that, but I tried to find the gratitude and the good things, even though there were some really, really challenging things too. So it could be somewhat of a change of perspective. I did things like decorate my office really beautifully, get myself a coffee machine, play nice music with good speakers. I mean, I did things that were just maybe small, but they made a difference to me. I also shifted how I thought about my responsibility for all of these students. For the first 20 years, I almost felt like their parent. I was the one who was there every office hour talking about you know all the troubles going on in their life and helping them problem solve. There came a time where I couldn't do that for 400 kids anymore, where I couldn't be the open door all of the time. So one of the things I did was I asked my department chair, instead of being in this really main building where all the kids were constantly walking by my office, I said, can I move over there to the older building that nobody wanted an office in because it just wasn't as nice over there, but I knew I needed (laughs) to pull inward. If a student wanted to see me, they had to walk all the way over to the old building and find me and walk down the halls. And I'm kind of back in this little quiet area. So the last few years, that's what I did is I moved my office and I didn't say why, but I knew for me, I needed to pull inward and kind of not feel so depleted. And frankly, it worked. I wasn't being paid for all of that anyway. And so I just thought, well, I love these kids. The ones who need to find me will, but I don't need to be the complete open door all day long, every day. And I I kind of set that boundary for myself. So some of you out there who are feeling depleted and feeling like you don't even have time, energy to figure out what the next steps of your life are, maybe you need to just set some boundaries. Maybe you need to tune into yourself and figure out what your needs are and then set the boundaries around your time, your energy, and your space. And that is included with family. Even my animals, I set boundaries with them and I know they could have more time, energy and love for me, but I give what I can within my capacity, maintaining my needs being met too. Same thing with my husband. It doesn't always make him happy that I cannot meet his needs 24 seven, but I tell him if mama ain't happy, nobody is going to be happy and I am burnt or I'm depleted and unfortunately I'm going to need XYZ for myself. And then I do it. I didn't used to be very good at that, but now all of my family and animals and colleagues are respecting that. And the ones that couldn't respect that or didn't want to respect that or were incapable of respecting it, they've left. (laughs) I know that sounds harsh, but it's okay. It's okay to have both of us acknowledge that what we're doing really isn't working anymore. And that I can't be responsible 
for your emotions and my emotions. I can't regulate you. I can't always be the the one who co-regulates us. I can't be the one who always takes the hard part so you can take the easy part. I can't continue like that. I'm going to give the relationship some time to adjust. I'll give you a, a year or two to adjust to this new way of being together. But ultimately, you have to do you and I have to do me and in a healthy way, we can come together. So this process might even, you know, have you losing people in your life that for whatever reason can't show up for you. I think that's okay. There's grieving that comes with that. There's longing, there's wishing it could have been different. But if you truly both gave it your all and the puzzle piece didn't fit together, it's okay. We can move on with love. And again, this is part of aligning with the future that you need. It doesn't mean you're throwing people out. Oh, you don't work for me anymore. Goodbye, get away. No, it's not that. It's communicating, here's my needs. Can you do that? Can we meet in the middle? No, we can't. All right, here's another try. That's not going to work either. If you go back and forth in an honest way and communicate and it just can't work, it's okay. Let's move on with love. So I just want to say that because sometimes this process of transitions and getting clarity and living with an alignment, it can be a painful one. And, you know, we even have some challenging feelings after we let people go out of our lives. I know there's some of you out there that are, you've had to let really cherished friends and family and colleagues go. And I would just say when that longing comes up, that if we could have just done this or if it could have worked out or why can't they be different or why can't I be different? Instead of allowing those ruminations, which are only deepening the habitual samskara or pattern of pain inside us, can we flip it? Can we say, I love you. We are not in relationship at this time, but we had a lovely X amount of years together I love you from a distance. I send you peace. I send you love. I do this all the time. Anytime I start to get a little wound up about someone from my past that is no longer present with me, I just tell myself, nope, I'm not going to ruminate on that. I'm going to send out love. And I don't consider that spiritual bypassing because I've done the work with them for long enough to understand that the puzzle piece didn't fit. It's not like I just toss them out and then spiritually bypass. I may have worked with someone for several years to try to see if we can meet each other's needs. And then we couldn't. So I've done the work and therefore I can let go of the outcome. That's what we call Ishvara Pranitana. And there's also always an opening. Time changes people. Anger goes away. People figure out they have different values, different needs. There's always the opening to come back and try again. It's not when we say goodbye that it's forever. I think if we kind of cultivate a loving kindness towards people with very strict boundaries, we could have them come back. I heard one of my friends was telling the story about when she opened her yoga studio, she had so many tasks to complete. It was a lot. She was working 17 hours a day. And one of her friends and colleagues was just 
picking at her. Why did you do it this way? Why didn't you do it that way? How come you don't have the right this or the right that? And how come you haven't done this yet? And so my friend had to say, you know what? I don't think it's going to work out for you to work at the yoga studio. It just, it was too much. They had tried to work through it. It didn't work out. And she let this person go out of her life and with loving kindness just said, this is not going to work. And a year later got an apology letter saying, now I'm realizing how much I was picking on you. And I can see that you had more on your plate than you could even do. And it was inappropriate and I care about you. And I just wanted you to know. So sometimes time will take care of these things. So the summary up until this point is we all have transitions in our lives. It is a beautiful opportunity to reevaluate our lives and our vision for our lives and to try to find ways to build the new life where there is more meaning and purpose and alignment with our deepest values. Now, the whole values thing could be a whole nother topic. It might be have to be another podcast, but I'll just touch on it briefly. Your values are the things that you're doing right now. Your values are the things that you're doing right now. That's what you value. I had this realization that I feel like my relationship with my parents is one of my most important things in life, but yet I live thousands of miles away from them and only see them a couple times a year. Hmm, what are my true values? Well, I'm living my values, obviously. <laughs> and if I really value seeing my parents on a weekly basis, then I would live in Minnesota. <laughs> so I think we have all these pie in the sky ideas about I value this and I value that. But if they're not aligning with what you're actually doing, I think that's something to take a look at and either admit that that's not your value or admit that there's something even more important that is more valuable that kind of overshadows that one or make a change and say, wow, I really do want to live in alignment with what I claim to value. So that's a whole nother thing, but things to think about. All right. So now let's say you're in this transition, you're doing this work to figure out what you want and you want to have clarity. You don't want to make a bad decision and end up regretting it. So then we go to these ideas of dharma, right action in life and having faith and conviction that you are living within your dharma and also having faith and conviction that you're able to communicate your needs to your loved ones. Because when you make a shift, it impacts everyone around you. So some of us don't have the clarity to even know what right action is. Others of us don't have the strength and conviction to follow through with that right action. And some of us are just too chicken to communicate our needs. We just kind of duck out <laughs> geographically re relocate or go somebody. We just don't have the courage to say what we need and why we need to make this change. Now, there are exceptions to that. For example, if you're in a relationship with a true narcissist, they will never hear you anyway, and you might have to duck out. But that would be something that you don't diagnose on TikTok, although it's tempting that you actually go get some mental health support around and figure out if you're just being a chicken or if this person really is dangerous and you have no choice but to duck out. So that is 
the Indian philosophy of Dharma coming from the Bhagavad Gita, this whole story with Arjuna and the war that he is in and wondering, how is it that I'm going to take care of future generations and therefore we have to go to war because my family and our children and their children and our grandchildren will basically not be able to survive unless I go head to head with my cousins, my family members, my teachers. Like I have to draw this line in the sand. I have to set a boundary here so that our future generations can exist in peace and everyone can flourish. It's a really hard decision. It's like you're between a rock and a hard place. And sometimes when we're in these situations where we're trying to make a dharmic decision, it's helpful to go back to the text and kind of think about what does dharma really mean? So in terms of dharma, I want you to think about what is truth, not just your truth, not just your reality, because I guarantee your reality and my reality are just a culmination of our traumas, our preferences, our aversions. They're just these layers of the onion that make up our personality. It doesn't make it true. It just says, I've been hurt in these ways, so I'm going to try to avoid that. I really had a good experience in these ways, so I'm going to go after that. That doesn't make it true. It just means you are doing what feels good to you, going towards feeling better and trying to avoid not feeling better or avoid suffering. So when you think about what is truth, Dharma or life purpose should always be in alignment with truth, capital T, not your truth, but the truth. So the karmic order of the universe, really think about that, the karmic order of the universe. So, for example, in my situation, when I think of the karmic order of the universe, I think about global climate change. I think about that the last five years, these California fires have been terrible and they're not getting better. We got rain this year, but that's just going to make more trees and brush and there's going to be more to burn now, unfortunately. So when I look at the karmic order of what's happening in California with climate change, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's looking at the big picture. That's not looking at my preference for living in the beautiful mountains of California. I love it. Every single day I walk my dogs twice a day and I love the views. I love the tree. I love the sky. I love the smell. However, the karmic order of the universe is saying that mother nature is quite unhappy with us and this is going to continue to happen. So I'm very realistic that the California fires are just part of mother nature rebalancing herself. And that is truth. Whether I like it or not, the fires have increased and my home and my family are at risk. That's the truth of it. And it has nothing to do with my preferences. And even if I wanted to say, well, it's just a hundred year cycle. The earth goes through these things. doesn't change the fact that we're probably going to have more fires. <laughs> it's, it's not even a political thing to say there is climate change or isn't. I personally believe there is, but if you want to believe there isn't, it doesn't change the fact that the incidence of fires has really increased in the last 10 years and will probably continue to go through that cycle. Another type of rhythm is how your inner GPS, your inner guidance system 
connects with the truth of the universe, not out of fear, but out of deep intuition. We call it kind of a precognitive. There's no words. You can't even articulate why you feel the way you feel. You're not arguing about it. You're not making excuses or trying to figure it out in your mind. You're simply feeling it and sensing it. There's something inside you that is either aligned or amiss, and it's telling you it's time for change. It's time to take a step. It is not something you're thinking about. It's a feeling. It's a sensation. So it's not me thinking about the California wildfires and how am I going to avoid them? And do I need to get out of here? That's all on the surface. What I'm talking about is there's something deep inside you that you can't even label, that you can't talk about, that you can't explain to anyone. And in fact, maybe have no desire to try to explain it to anyone. It's just a feeling. It's a sensation. It's an inner knowing. I was talking to my friend Marlisa the other day, and the way that we described it to each other was there's like an, a buzzing inside. And maybe buzzing is even too strong of a word. It's like a dancing of molecules that for me, it starts kind of in my lower abdomen and goes up through my heart space and my throat. And I just feel like a dancing and I don't know what it is and I don't know what it means, but I'm willing to listen to that. What is that telling me to do? How is that impacting me? When do I have that dancing feeling inside and when don't I? I don't even try to put words to it because it's way beyond words, but I have learned in my 50 plus years of life that when I feel that, pay attention. There is some alignment of truth inside of me and I need to walk towards what I feel that with and walk away from when I don't feel that. And it's really hard because sometimes you might feel this like if you have chemistry with a new love. That's not what I'm talking about. That can actually be pretty toxic if we have that super chemistry with someone. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about life choices. Should I take this job? Should I not? Should I move here? Should I not? Should I go for the promotion? Should I not? That inner sense of inner knowing, the sensations, if you can kind of pay attention to the sensations and not try to figure it out, when we feel those sensations, then we want to figure it out. Well, why do I feel that way? Mm, don't even go there. Just follow, follow the inner GPS. And then, I mean, here's where it does get hard. How can you communicate that to your loved ones? It's hard. You know, I go to my husband and I say, honey, I'm having this inner sensation again. I'm having the dancing molecules. And he says, well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know what it means, <laughs> right? You can see how challenging this gets and having people understand why you want to follow a particular path. But if you are truly in a relationship that is mutually supportive, I think your partner will listen to that and you will listen to your partner when they say that. And hopefully they can both go in alignment. That's another big thing. But I think part of being a sensitive partner is allowing each person to have time and space to find that dancing inside and move towards it. And it's really hard. I mean, I know that sometimes 
needs are at odds and there has to be a really, really creative solution to figure out, well, which direction are we going with this? So then I think we have to look at another aspect of Dharma and having clarity. And I love this quote from TKV Desikachar. It's something that I use often to help guide me in my decisions. He says, Dharma is that which supports you. Dharma is that which stops you from falling. And Dharma is that which picks you up after you have fallen. You know, we have this optimal state yoga therapy school and it's been damn hard, you guys. (laughs) Going through the pandemic, it has been so, so challenging. There have been so many times I felt like, I don't know if I can continue this. But the yoga school, the optimal state yoga therapy school, it does support us. It does keep us from falling. It does pick us up after we have fallen. So even though it's hard, even though some days I'm tired, even though some days I felt like giving up, even though some days I wonder if am I even on the right track, this quote says, yes, this path you've chosen of teaching yoga therapists is right there in your wheelhouse, Amy. And it's not just the thing you give to, and I do give to it, but it's also the thing that holds me and supports me when I fall. So that might be another way to look at Dharma is it's not saying you should give up on hard things or even that you shouldn't go towards really hard things, but is that ultimately going to support you and your loved ones? Is it what is there to hold you? So, you know, these are just questions for reflection to help us have more clarity. That's really the goal. Oftentimes we just go by feelings. My feelings got hurt. I want to quit this job or I feel embarrassed. Therefore, I need to get the heck out of here or I've been caught lying. Whatever it is, we go by these feelings and we let our feelings guide us instead of saying, what's the long-term trajectory of my life? How can I have more joy? How can I move towards Dharma and away from a Dharma or not having a Dharmic path? How can I care for my loved ones? You can see how much time and attention and focus this is going to take and how much space in your life it's going to take to really make these big decisions and do it with clarity. The other thing is I think over time is really, really important this idea that I had about moving back to Minnesota to be closer to my family and be part of a community that I admire. It started when I was laying in bed for those four months. Well, that's a year ago now, and I'm still contemplating it. And I've tried to push it away and I've tried to say, oh, that's too hard. We can't do that. And But it's still here. And I'm still thinking about it and time is helping me get clarity and I'm carefully contemplating what does that mean for myself, my husband, my parents, my family members, my animals. Is it possible? Is it dharmic? Is it in alignment with my values? Would it give me more meaning and purpose? It's a constant reflection so that I can make a good decision, a good decision that's going to be in alignment with our dharma. And then obviously we'll have to learn how to communicate that and move forward with that. So when we talk about life transitions and making decisions, 
and following your life purpose and doing all of this with clarity, it's no small act. There's no time limit on it. All we have to do is try to find more space in our lives to contemplate. And I don't think we have to do it by any certain date. I think we have to keep reflecting until we feel like we've made a good decision and then we're going to move forward with that. I would say that most of the private yoga therapy clients that I work with, this right here, making these big life trajectory shifts in their life and making decisions, this is what most people want to talk about. And they want to use Patanjali's Yoga Sutra and the Bhagavad Gita, kind of spiritual counseling to figure out how to be more in alignment and how to find more joy and how to do that in a way that isn't going to cause suffering for yourself or your loved ones. This is a big part of yoga therapy, a big part of mental health yoga therapy. And it can also be done with a psychologist or a therapist in addition. But in yoga therapy, we give you meditations, we give you chanting, we give you daily practices to help you reflect and help you get more into alignment. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode today. I know I have. In a few months, we have a yoga therapy clinic on Monday nights. We're going to take a whole month on life purpose, on meaning, and getting more into alignment. So please check out our Monday Night Yoga Therapy Clinic on www.amywheeler.com. And you'll see that later in the fall, we're going to have a whole month on this particular topic. And we'd love for you to join us. It's $59 for your entire household to go through the four classes during the month. And I think people are finding these Monday night yoga therapy clinics really enjoyable. So I would love for you to join us. All right, everyone have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. A special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria and Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.